0: Welcome to Responding to Life, a podcast hosted by me, Josephine Atlery. Do you ever feel like you could use some guidance when life throws you a curveball? By listening to the narratives in this podcast, you will learn from other people's experiences and responses to challenging situations so you can fast-track the learning curve to get ahead in your own life. In today's episode of Responding to Life, Living Reflectively Through a Journey of Health, Fertility, and Parenthood, I am joined by my friend Izzy to discuss disordered eating and mental well being. In this episode, I share the realities of how my unresolved trauma from trying to conceive manifested into bulimia. To this day, an eating disorder in my mid 30s still feels like a weird repercussion of not adequately dealing with the trauma from my years of failed IVF cycles and multiple miscarriages. Yet, my body and my mind gave me a much-needed wake-up call to let me know that it was time to deal with the unresolved issues in my life that had been building up over the course of many years of trying to conceive. I asked my friend Izzy to share in this discussion with me because she is a body image and mindset coach who works with women to overcome their body shaming habits, to reclaim their confidence, overcome disordered eating, and work through body dysmorphia. Izzy is also a personal trainer and fitness instructor. Izzy got into fitness as an outlet for her mental health and the desire to get stronger and work through her body dysmorphia. As her journey evolved, she realized the close tie to the work she was doing in fitness and the bigger picture work she wanted to focus on, helping women feel more confident, empowered, and comfortable having real, raw conversations about her everyday struggles and mental health. That is when the Body Love Soul Method was born. Izzy also runs a passion project called Wildflower Project, which is an initiative to help women come together to talk about mental health and our everyday struggles. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Responding to Life. Today I have with me on the episode is my friend Izzy from Boston. We met years ago when we were both working at a fitness facility out there and we became instant friends. And it's so wonderful to connect with her after all these years uh, via Zoom. So uh, Izzy, thanks so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: So I invited Izzy, as I mentioned in my intro, so that we could talk about our shared experiences with eating disorders. And for my own story, it came about with um trying to conceive trauma, unresolved trauma from that. And so I'll start, you know, with the story and then Izzy can later on share her own story and we'll get going that way. So. Back when, let's see here, I we adopted our son, and then I had our first set of twins via IVF pregnancy uh, a couple a year after that, and things were going great. All my dreams came true. I thought that by having the children, I had resolved all my problems. I had grieved all of the losses that we had prior. I thought that I had gone through that grief process. And then I started to just go back to normal life. I was training for the very first time for a race, which I had never done before. I felt like I needed to get back into shape. And this was one way to motivate myself was by having some sort of goal to go after. So I was training for this obstacle course race. I was in the best shape of my life when I was training for this race. And and then that feeling of being, being so fit and being able to accomplish this, I didn't know what to, how to go back to regular life per se. And, uh, in terms of eating and working out, you know, I had been working with a trainer and I didn't realize that, you know, I would, didn't have to stay on this regimented course during what was called the off season because Mm -hmm. this was all new to me. And so that I first, Started um, into bouts of bulimia out of the blue uh, around Thanksgiving, and so you know the race was in October, and then all of a sudden, you know, in my family, we have back to back birthdays and holidays mm-hmm. for the next like five months. It's crazy in our family, and so it was Thanksgiving, and I was cleaning up. We ha- we hosted that year. And as I was cleaning, I, like my husband was putting the kids to bed and I finished off one of the pies that was left over as I was cleaning. And then the next thing I knew I had finished another one in the process of cleaning. And then I felt so horrible and just completely just like, I didn't know really what had happened there. And immediately my first thought was, oh my God i'm I'm ruining all of this work that I had done, and that's when that's when I went to the bathroom and i purged and um and then my husband you know, as I was leaving the bathroom he he told me that I had to go and and sit with the kids because they wanted me to put them to sleep, so I rushed over to the to their room and as I'm lying there, I remember holding their hands and and it was the dark they were falling asleep and just crying at, at what had just happened because I had no idea of where this came from. I hadn't, you know, growing up, n- I never had an eating disorder. I had poor, I guess I would say I had poor body image. Um, and I worked at it a lot, you know, but to that extent, it never got out of my control in any way. So this came completely out of the blue. And and, and like I said, I didn't know where it was coming from. And then it just continued to persist because after that, then there was Christmas and then there were more birthdays and there were just so many gatherings back to back. And I found myself just doing it. And, you know, a f- about maybe half a year into it, I just, I couldn't, I felt like this whole other this different person. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, um, you know, it was a secret to my kids and it was a secret to my husband. And I just, you know, I kept telling myself after each time, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to do this again. And lo and behold, then it would happen again. I finally told my husband and he was just floored by by the revelation, because he had no idea, and um, then that's when I decided to uh, work with um, with a, with this recovery program mm-hmm. where I was, and it was a mixture of one on one therapy and group therapy and you know I feel like I brought myself there so early because you know back then, I used to describe myself as a hypochondriac. Mm-hmm. I don't prescribe myself labels anymore. Cause I've just let go of that. Yeah. But back then, you know, I would say like, Oh my God, I would always go to the doctor because I'm a hy- hypochondriac. And I think that's what brought me into therapy so quickly. Mm-hmm. It was just, I could not, I was scared of this becoming bigger than myself and it already was. Yeah. And so the combination of one-on-one therapy and the group therapy, and then these very frequent nurse checkups just to make sure that, you know, my body was okay and my nutrition and my health was okay. Mm-hmm. It was a lot. And while raising little kids and no one else in my family, knowing aside from my husband, um, it really was, it was a lot to juggle and a lot to, to dive into. It was a lot of, I mean, it was major inner work yeah. that I didn't, realize I needed as I was going through the process. And what came about was that I was needing some type of control over my life, which seems weird because I was out of control as I was eating all this extra food. But at the same time, I was controlling yeah. what happened after. Yeah. So it was this weird, <laughs> this weird mix. I didn't want to fail at something else in life mm-hmm. and all of this, like, It's called TTC, trying to conceive. All of this trauma from that, yes, Mm -hmm. I had grieved this loss that I had at 17 weeks of twins. I went through that, but I didn't grieve the rest of it. I didn't Mm -hmm. grieve the fact that it didn't turn out the way I wanted to in my life, Mm -hmm. that having children wasn't easy, and that I didn't have the pregnancy that I wanted that other people had. I didn't grieve any of that. I just kept going until I had what what I wanted my whole life. And so all of those feelings were just repressed and just kept building up without me really realizing. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, and so that's where that, that need to not fail again came about Mm -hmm. because here I was, I'd finally achieved something in terms of, you know, doing this race and my health and, and then not knowing how to keep it under control felt like a failure to me. And so I just, I couldn't let that happen yet again in my life. And that's how this, how the bulimia manifested itself. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was just so crazy because I didn't expect it like early thirties. You know, it's something that you think about that, that teenagers, Mm -hmm. people in their twenties have. And so it just came out of left field for me. And but I was lucky to have my husband who was super supportive, albeit low key, yeah. very nervous, uh, for me and apparently without me knowing kept waking up in the middle of the night to make sure I wasn't doing yeah. what I was doing. Yeah. Um, but it took me a long time. Um, you know, that therapy took a long time and then maybe over another year or two, I would, I wasn't doing it regularly, but every now and then. <laughs> There would be moments where I would uh, it would be like an event, and then all of a sudden I found myself purging, and then it was back to having to do all of that work again right and now' it's at a point where it's it's almost like another life ago, mm-hmm. but still in the back of my mind whenever whenever I talk to people about about diets per se. or doing some sort of exercise program or doing some sort of um, food challenge. I'll be completely upfront with people and say, you know, I even worked with a nutritionist and I'll be completely upfront and say, well, I don't weigh myself. I don't, I won't limit myself. I won't count calories anymore. I won't do all these things that I know for me are triggers. Mm -hmm. I learned through all of that, that work with, with the group and with the therapist, right. but it took a lot of time to figure out how to set myself up in, in life. Mm-hmm. And because we're bombarded with all of these things of, of losing weight and looking oh, yeah. like your best and oh. all of this stuff is constantly in your face. Mm-hmm. And so every moment of your life, if you have an ED, can be very triggering, and right. so it can be very tough, but I'm really fortunate that I'm no longer like, that's not an active voice in my head. Right. Um, because even after I stopped purging, that voice is still there. Right. right and so you still have to keep doing the work of controlling the narrative in your head. And so, yeah. so that was my TTC trauma that led to bulimia. And so I asked Izzy, as I mentioned in the intro, here to talk about her body dysmorphia and she's been chiming in with, yes, I hear that. And I totally get it. So I'd love to hear what your experience was like. Izzy.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can appreciate so much our, our experiences. They're so different, but I think, you know, something that you find is such a commonality, especially amongst women, when they talk about their body image and disordered eating and eating disorders is these moments of like immense either trauma, I like that you said failure, or just like really heavy, unbearable shame. And so for me, um, it, it really manifested in a few different ways. But, spe- you know, when I was really young, I was in a, I mean, when I was in high school, I was in a really unhealthy relationship at a young age. And so much weight of that relationship was on how my body looked. And I mean, it was even to the point of, you know, you need to have a flat stomach, you know, you need to look like this, you need to look like that. And I was so young and impressionable at the time that I'm like, oh, something's clearly wrong with me. Like if I'm not 115 pounds and I'm not a size double zero. And so that was where it initially started just sort of this obsessive behavior around what I looked like and feeling the need to really control it. And as I got older, you know, I got out of that relationship. I wasn't necessarily doing the work yet around healing. Um, at that point I was in college, you know, my focus was totally on having a good time and I wasn't really dealing with the issues I had. And similarly to you, Joe, with, um, Having this big race and prepping for something, I decided to sign up for a fitness competition, which is these competitions where women get on stage in these glittery bikinis and this crazy fake tan and have like no body fat. And for me at the time, I thought that this was a good idea because I was in a new abusive relationship and I was like so desperately trying to find something that would. Give me a sense of my self worth. But what I was also subconsciously doing is I was really trying to control this, like, this was feeding the beast. Me competing was feeding this inner beast I had of hating my body, wanting to change my body, starving myself. Like, I was like, oh, people actually, like, I can pay someone to tell me to be this way, which is mm-hmm. when I look at it now, it's so crazy that I went through that. Um, not all of it was bad, but I would say that competing was definitely a huge catalyst for me, on top of being in a very abusive relationship at the time that really created this awful uh, mental space that I was living in for a really long time of always needing to be thinner, smaller. Um, you know, I would, my body dysmorphia would manifest itself where I was obsessively almost like checking my body all the time. So, you know, feeling my stomach multiple times a a day to make sure it was smooth and flat. Um, You know, always checking for like cellulite. Like these were just things that I had had ingrained in my brain were a bad thing for me to have on my body. And on top of it, I started getting into a really bad disordered eating pattern once i stopped competing so similarly to what you said joe you know you have this race you prep for it you have the race and then it's kind of like what happens next mm-hmm. and similar to doing a fitness competition you're you know you're on this really strict schedule and you can't even think outside of it because you have this one goal you want to get to and so i was super focused on it and then once the show ended i'm like wait a second what do i do here and mm-hmm what was really, so anyways, that created a lot of binge eating habits for me Mm of basically binging in secrecy and like crazy binging, um, you know, eating a box of donuts, a box of Oreos, you know, a box of pasta, like just like really heavy foods in mass, mass, mass amounts. Um, Mm -hmm. but the way it manifested for me is I never ended up, purging, but I would restrict severely after for weeks. I mean, Uh, diet pills, water pills, just eating like chicken and celery and grapefruit for three weeks after. And so there was so much shame around the binging. And there was also just a lot of shame around like, why am I not normal? Why do I have Mm -hmm. this problem with my body and with food? And we live in a different time now where this is so beautiful that it's being talked about so much more but even 5 years ago this was not a topic. It wasn't something that, you know, I felt comfortable talking to you with my friends or even, you know, my partner now. Like it was a whole new world of really exposing myself to what I was suffering with and um for me Basically, these things manifested from a lot of trauma around past relationships um, very, very abusive, toxic, manipulative situations and relationships that were so much based off of my appearance. And so I carried this very heavy weight of all of my self worth is in my looks. Like that is what I have to offer as Izzy. And mm-hmm. so yeah I mean, I hear you when you say it takes work because I've been working on this. I mean, I've really feel like I've been working on this for ten years, but I have heavily been working on it for five and it's it's a lot of digging deep and really being willing to face yourself on what is causing this shame or this feeling of failure um, so yeah, that's a little bit about my background and Um, it's amazing to, like you said, I'm in a place now where it's not an everyday struggle for me. I have really learned to overcome my body dysmorphia and my disordered eating habits, but what I can appreciate that you said, and I think what's really relevant to anyone listening and especially being in a pandemic, there's always going to be triggers throughout your life that might reignite. That emotion or that experience that you once went through. But I think the beautiful thing is when you can get to a place where we are, it's, you're so self-aware of it now. It's so Mm -hmm. clear that, okay, this is, this might be triggering me. I'm feeling some of those old feelings again, but I have all the tools in my toolbox now to work through this versus letting it become another failure or becoming a debilitating like episode. Um, that you go through.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your story. I really, you know, it, it, it's very, it takes a lot of vulnerability and courage to be able to do that. So you're right.
1: You're helping so many women, you know, with what you're sharing. Oh,
0: thanks, Izzy. Same with you. You know, you're right about doing all of that inner work and what it digs up. One thing that I noticed as I was you are doing all of these journaling exercises and things like that was this idea of not being deserving enough and that I was punishing myself for, for all the failures and that even though I finally had these three kids, like life should have been, in my mind, perfect. Right. And yet I, w- I felt like doing this, continuing on with this negative cycle of binging and purging was my way of punishing myself for not, for not doing things correctly almost. Right. And, you know, I don't, it it was, it was crazy to think that, that that is where my mind was. And for me, it's a lot of, of self-talk.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of
0: like, I'll pass by the mirror and, I can choose to speak to myself in one way, right. or I can choose to speak to myself in a healthier way mm-hmm. and it's always a conscious choice, but you know you have that experience in the back of your mind of where you were many years ago, mm-hmm. and that's what helps me speak to myself better in those moments
1: mhm yeah I I can relate a hundred percent to that. And also I think a big trigger for me personally is, um, you know, I'm also someone that's anxious. And so knowing that a big part of the disordered eating, especially the restriction, um, and let's say over exercising and things like that, it was absolutely a control mechanism. Um, Even like you said before, you know, even when you're binging and you almost feel out of control, it's like, okay, but I can control the actual outcome of this by now purging or now starving myself for two weeks. And so for me, a big trigger is constantly being okay that I don't need to control this and that when I'm feeling the desire, when I start pivoting to this space of, okay, be like, Look at your body. Look at what you're eating. Look at the scale. Look at your workouts. I have to ask myself, okay, what's going on in the world right now that's making me want to deflect and Mm -hmm. control and focus on this instead of whatever else is actually going on that's affecting me?
0: Right. No, that's a great strategy. So currently, Izzy, you are a trainer and you are also coaching women on how to empower themselves and feel more confident and comfortable with conversations about these struggles and their mental health. I'd love for you to talk about what you're currently working on, uh, the Body Love Soul Method and the Wildflower Project, if you will.
1: Yeah, I would love to. Um, When I got into fitness, ultimately, why I became a trainer was actually that I wanted to be, this is when I was starting to heal myself, that I wanted to be a woman trainer that empowered women to, like you said earlier, you know, not jump on the lose five pounds in two days train. Like I was so, I've always been so against diet culture once I started healing myself. And I wanted to be a trainer that really encouraged women to, you know, get stronger and empower themselves through movement. And so Through this journey I've been on, that was kind of the starting point. And so I am still a trainer. I'm so passionate about it. Um, But that's also pivoted me into this new space where I'm also a mindset coach and a health coach. And so I work with women in my Body Love Soul Method, basically doing a lot of what we're talking about now. It's really centered around helping women look inward on what's really triggering them to hate their body to not allow themselves to go to a place where they can embody their self-worth. And if they're struggling with this emotional relationship with food, what's really going on there? Um, it's, It's such rewarding work. I feel like, you know, I always say that my biggest struggles have been the reason, you know, I am who I am and why I do what I do. And so it's really rewarding to be able to work with women on the other side now that I've healed and really helped these women get to another place. Um so that's a little bit about the body love soul method and then wildflower project has been a passion project of mine for a couple years now and the reason I created wildflower project um was a couple years ago after I was teaching a fitness class in the city I had had a woman actually come up to me and say I really like that you talk about mental health on your Instagram page. I don't feel like this is talked about enough. In general, or in person, and I thought, you know what? That's right. We actually don't really talk about mental health in person. We don't have meetups around mental health, and so Wildflower Project became this passion project of mine to bring women together in a community setting to talk about mental health and a variety of different topics, um, some of which have been about depression, anxiety, uh, body image, grief, and it's a really rewarding initiative to be a part of because it gives women this opportunity to share really vulnerably and freely, but also to help us break down the barriers of the stigmas around what these things should look like um, (laughs) and should feel like. I mean, we all experience these things in different ways. And so Wildflower Project's intention is always, it's mostly in person. So once things eventually become more normal, the goal is really to get those uh, community events back up and running. Um, but yes, those are a few things I'm up to and it's, it's really rewarding work to be doing.
0: Can I just say, I'm, I'm, I just love the work that you're doing, Izzy. You know, back when we knew each other in Boston and you were training at the fitness facility where we right. both worked. You were an amazing trainer in terms of how you empowered the people who were working out. And so this just, the progression that your life has taken, it is, it's just makes total sense because I can see you excelling in, in this continuous empowerment for other people in, you know, in mental health and body image. So kudos to you for the work that you're doing. Thank you
1: you so much.
0: Yeah. So, I would love to, you know, as our conversation comes to a close, I'd love for you to share one tip on how the listeners today can respond to life in a more positive and mindful way in the context of their self image. Mm
1: -hmm. This is a great question and something that. Um, hopefully this isn't too long winded, but something that I think can instantly tune anyone listening in to feeling a little bit better about their body image or what they're going through is when you start to feel these moments of negativity or really shame, which is ultimately this feeling of worthlessness around yourself, what is the most courageous thing you could do for yourself in that moment? And I pose that question to people because it's an opportunity for you to say to yourself, when I'm feeling really negatively right now, I have two choices here. I can do something that I know is going to make me feel really crappy, which could be the negative self-talk. It might be binge eating. I mean, it could be a variety of things. Or can I, can I have this moment of courage to put myself first? And that might be, going off and taking the day here yourself to go do your favorite thing. It could be going on a walk. It could be taking a yoga class. I mean, it's so many things it could be, but I challenge people to flip the dialogue of what's something that can be courageous and empowering that I can do for myself today to put myself first and feel better.
0: That's great advice. I love that.
1: Yeah. It's something I, I try to think about it every day honestly, like how can you really show up for yourself right now when you're having those moments of feeling down?
0: Yeah. No, that's it. It's comes down to the choice, right? Right. And, and then putting yourself thinking about yourself in that more positive Mm -hmm. and courageous light is a great way to shift the mindset.
1: Yeah. And, and also something that I think we don't do enough of And I am stereotyping a little bit how women might show up, but typically we're perfectionists or multitaskers, you know, um, also just acknowledging your progress. Like if you're having a rough morning, but being like, wow, I have come a long way, like in any way that that might be for you, whether it's like, I would have reacted so differently to that scenario at work a year ago than I am today or Mm -hmm. anything like that. When we can acknowledge you know, transformation and progress and growth. It's just so reassuring for our soul.
0: Absolutely. I love this advice. Thank you for sharing it, Izzy. And in that same vein of shifting towards positivity, I always ask my guests to share their gratitudes for today. If you can share a couple.
1: Of course. I mean, the forefront of my mind, um, I'm really, really grateful for the women that I'm currently working with in Body, Love, Soul. Um, It's just, it's so rewarding to see other women overcoming so much trauma and pain and just hard things that they've gone through and getting to a place of feeling so good about themselves and empowered and, and healing. So I'm just so grateful for that. Um, I'm always grateful for my dog, Louie. He's so (laughs) sweet. And something every morning I'm truly grateful for is having my cup of coffee in
0: silence. (laughs) Um, Just in peace. (laughs) Right. Nothing can beat coffee in silence. I love that.
1: (laughs) Every day I say, I'm so grateful for this.
0: (laughs) And so how can uh, the audience connect with you if you wouldn't mind sharing in the spirit of giving and receiving?
1: Yes. Well, thank you. Um, so people can connect with me. I'm very active on my Instagram, which is just my name, Izzy dot Atkinson. Um, I also have a website where people can get in touch with me, which is Izzy Um And that's, those are typically the best ways to get in touch with me. You can reach out via email through my website, um, and I hope to connect with some of you listening in today.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Just not only your story, and being vulnerable and courageous, courageous enough to share it, but also talking about the amazing projects you're doing with Body Love Soul Method and the Wildflower Project. So, oh, thank, well, thank you, you so again.
1: It's so wonderful.
0: Looking back at this time in my life, almost a decade later, the gift of retrospection has made me realize that utilizing strategies to help deal with my negativity and stress during arduous times in life could have cultivated a more resilient and empowered outlook. As a meditation teacher, it is my goal to help people incorporate meditation into their daily lives in general, but in particular, it is my passion to help others on their fertility journey In hopes that their own trying to conceive or TTC experience can be less stressful, lonely, and demoralizing. Try incorporating tools like breathing techniques, gratitudes, affirmations, and daily acts of self care like meditation to help you stay calm and positive. While I didn't have these tools at my disposal during my journey, I have been fortunate to work with many other women struggling with similar issues to help them navigate the painful process of trying to conceive in a much healthier way. The TTC life can morph into an all-consuming existence, which can suck the life out of you, but it doesn't have to be that way. Try one of the strategies that I suggested and work it into your daily routine and then gradually add another one. And before you know it, your life can feel more balanced, hopeful, and calm, and you can feel ready to take on the challenges that come your way. I'm so grateful for my guest Izzy coming on today to share about how we can all empower ourselves through positive self-talk and using confident statements to help us get through moments when we may not be feeling so great about ourselves. I challenge you to try the tip that Izzy shared with us and encourage you to check out her passion project, Wildflower Project. As a reminder, I now have fertility and parenting-specific meditation sessions and workshops available on my website, jayatlurie.com. Be sure to check it out along with the free video meditations that I now have on my site. And I'll be sure to post Izzy's information in the episode summary. Thank you for listening to Responding to Life, a podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to receive a bi-monthly newsletter, With an exclusive and free video meditation, along with wellness tips and deals, please go to www.respondingtolifepodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter by entering your email address in the pop up box. In there, you'll also learn my seven step process on how to meditate like a pro so you can stress less and live more joyfully. If you enjoyed the show, I invite you to share it with your friends and leave a rating and review on whatever podcast outlet you use. I look forward to sharing another inspirational story with you real soon.